Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child using the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mackie Lozano. Today, we have Marty O'Brien back on the podcast, and we are diving into chapter three of Ways to Nurture the Relationship with God by Sophia Cavalletti and Patricia Coulter. This chapter is called The Roots of the Eucharist in the Easter Mystery. This is a perfect chapter for you to read during Holy Week, during the Easter season, especially right now as we are preparing for Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. This chapter is deep and beautiful, and I strongly suggest that you pick up your copy and dive into this chapter, even if you've read it before. It takes maybe 30 minutes to read the whole chapter, and you will not regret it. I hope you enjoy. Marty, welcome back to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Thank you. It's really great to be here. It's always great to have you. I am excited about this chapter that we are going to be diving into and that it's coming out during Holy Week, which is just so perfect. And I love it when those things just kind of line up. But before we get into that, Marty, would you tell us a little bit about who you are for anybody who didn't listen to the past episode that we had with you? Oh, well, okay. Thank you. Um, I am a catechist since a long time ago, <laughs> uh, in the 80s. Um, I continue to work with children in levels one, two, and three, and I am also a formation leader and um, still learning. I am always still in formation. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what's beautiful about this work is we're all journeying together. Mm-hmm. Well, so this chapter... Chapter 3 of Ways to Nurture the Relationship with God. Chapter 3 is on the roots of the Eucharist and the Easter mystery. I love this chapter. I do too. (laughs) This is like, I think this is my favorite chapter in this book. This chapter shows us how there are inseparable links between the Jewish Passover and the, the Paschal mystery, which is Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday, and then how that connects us to how we celebrate the Eucharist today. So let's start with the Jewish Passover, Marty. What do we need to know about the Jewish Passover in order for us to be able to make those links? I would say first and foremost, uh, for the Jewish people, the Passover is the source of their identity. Mm. Um, They are who they are because of what God did for them, entering human history for them. Mm. For, uh, and that is their story. This is their their uh, source event, is called in history, and that determines who they are. Mm-hmm. For us, we have the same moment, what happened on Calvary, that Jesus brought to the Last Supper, and what we celebrate at Mass, bringing Calvary to us today, is our source event. And it is what, it forms our own identity. We are who we are because of what Christ uh, who is fully God, what God did for us in human history. Mm-hmm. For the Jewish people, they tell their story once a year on this highest of all holy days. Mm-hmm. We, as Christians, uh, we tell our story every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some, it's once a week, you know, on Sunday. We must tell the story, and that's the, the Eucharistic prayer. Mm-hmm. But, of course, for many people, it's every day for daily Mass. But it is the telling of the story that must be done and. We, we do it together. Mm-hmm. So when did the Passover happen? When What time of year is it placed in? 
well, in spring, we know that. <laughs> and as Sophia writes, um, the Synoptic Gospels uh, place it on the first night of Passover. And that's in those in the Synoptic Gospels, we have the words of institution regarding the signs of bread and wine. And of course, the fourth gospel has uh, a different, uh, a beautiful purpose, placing this meal the night before the first night of Passover, so that on the day of preparation, when the lambs are being slain for the first night of Passover, the Lord Jesus is being slain. But um, it doesn't, as we know, does not include the words of institution. So we're, we're focused on the synoptics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love how in level two and level three, we have dove into how we figure out when Easter is and how the oh, Jewish yeah. people figured out when Passover is based on, you know, the the first full moon after the spring equinox um, <laughs> is then that following Sunday would be Easter Sunday. And then we let mm-hmm. the kids kind of figure it out for whatever year they want to. Uh-huh. I love that because I never understood before then why Easter is different every year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so this, it gave such a beautiful context to how the Jewish people know when to celebrate Passover based on the first full moon after the spring equinox. Mm-hmm. The children, when we do this, often we'll do it at the beginning of the academic, of the catechetical year. Um, they know the date of Easter. It just, and they know the Sunday, you know, the first full moon after the spring equinox because we've made our calendars together. So yeah, they really know those dates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so empowering for them to be like, ooh, like I understand this now. So what about the celebration? Let's dive into that Passover feast and what are the important elements of the Passover that we need to understand in order for us to connect it to our Easter mystery and then the Eucharist? Certainly. Well, first and foremost, it's simply the elements, bread and wine. Melchizedek, mm-hmm. <laughs> bread and wine. Um, just the uh, symbols of survival in the earth. Sophia writes about those four cups of wine. No wonder they were so sleepy in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three full cups of wine. Um, the, it's just beautiful how the first is just to greet the day, as she writes. What's really beautiful is the one that will be drunk after they've told the story. Mm. And they must tell the story. Mm-hmm. So that's just a beautiful cup. What's beautiful is that fourth cup that no one ever blessed. And she tells us that David was the one who was associated with the Messiah Mm -hmm. and uh, who would bless that. And then, so from now on, it becomes the untouched cup, unblessed, that is only for the Messiah. And then in our uh, Corinthians, especially, when Paul says, and after the meal, he took the cup. The, the cup, you know, mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. And if you're a person of Jewish background reading this letter, you know what the cup is. And it's the cup of the Messiah. And mm-hmm. you say, this is me. The links are just beautiful. It is. It's so enlightening whenever they're pointed out to you, because I would have never thought about that before in that fact that we're talking about the cup, which was associated with the um, that David was the only person who blessed this cup, and the Jewish people, when they heard David, they knew that we were talking about Messiah. So the fact that Jesus took the cup, like you talked about, he's saying in that moment, "It's me. 
I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. I love how she spoke about how when they are telling the story of what God has done in their life, starting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then moving into the Exodus and everything, how I, I'm how do you say this? The Jazera Shava? Jazera Shava? Oh, yes. The second. Can't, where is that in here? I have, I have it on page 69 where she speaks about it. The top is page 69. I love that it's just like they sit with every word. They sit with every phrase and they look at, well, this word was also used, you yes. know, with Queen yes. Esther. And they yes. make these connections in order to discover the depth in which Right. God is speaking. Mm -hmm. It really reminded me when I read this uh, first time, a long time ago, a, um, a way of studying the Bible that's very rabbinic and very ancient that Sophia referred to as the naive method, as opposed to the more contemporary, critical you know, methods of biblical criticism, the literary method, historical method, you know, all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff, source method, source criticism rather. But when you take a look at that word and all the other places that it occurs in scripture and studying what it means there and what it means over here, it brings a, f a fuller understanding of what it means in the text you're currently considering. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I should have looked up how that is pronounced in Hebrew. <laughs> I don't even want to try. I hate to mispronounce words of other languages. I agree. I agree. So please forgive our butchering of the Hebrew. Right. <laughs> It reminds me, though, of what we do on Holy Saturday when we read so uh, many different readings, retelling our story of how God has worked throughout salvation history. Exactly. Um, it's such a beautiful parallel to what our Jewish brothers and sisters do at this part of the banquet, the Passover banquet. And also for us, it's a, a typological hearing. We hear that Isaac carried the wood on his back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, we, we make all it's a beautiful beautiful thing that happens we make these links because if it's done beautifully in the darkness of the church with only the one light of the paschal flame we listen to these to our history the story of salvation and we're hearing these links oh i get it oh mm -hmm. yeah and um it's the most beautiful of nights of course mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would you speak into the three questions and Specifically on the emphasis on the different tenses that are used in the questions. And what does that mean? Right. This speaks to how Sophia even defines liturgy. It's the one I've, I first heard and I've just memorized it. Liturgy renders present the saving acts of God in history and yet projects us towards a future moment of completion. Mm. So what is rendered present from that first question is um, why this night are we doing this? And then, boom, they go back. Because the Lord brought us out of Egypt, and we are doing this now. So it's those the tenses that she points out mm -hmm. uh, show that the past is being rendered. And that's a great word. Uh, rendere in, Ital in Latin or Italian too means to tear. If you speak Spanish, you do. Render means to tear. And we're really ripping out of time, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, a moment, and bringing it right here to us. As she writes in her book, I was not born too late. It's uh, giving us that opportunity to participate. Mm -hmm. So it's deeper than just remembering something that happened in the past. It's actually bringing it to the present to participate in it now. Yes. 
And the term for that is memorial. That is the, under, the Jewish, the Hebrew understanding of the word memorial. Mm. Um, it's Remember is completely different. But mm-hmm. if you say when God remembers, well, when God thinks, it happens. <laughs> when God says, let's have some stars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, there, and then it happened. So whenever God, in God's mind or the word, it, it becomes reality. It becomes present. Yeah. Yeah. We are right there. And we now have just like every Jew has an opportunity to trust and leave Egypt and put their foot into the water, what they think will be the waters of the Red Sea, but it's going to be dry for them. Mm-hmm. What I uh, I was looking for a long time ago is there are another moment in the Passover Seder where there are the four sons, or four children today, uh, characterized by the questions they ask. The first is the wise child. The second is the foolish. That's how Sophia used the term with us. But when I looked it up this year, it's called the wicked. (laughs) Wicked. Um, The third child is the simple child. And what I had heard was of simple mind. And then the fourth child is one who's too young to even ask. But again, the importance of telling the story, it must be told. But the wise child asks why are these important for us? What are we doing tonight? And the leader says, you were so wise to include yourself in this. What is happening for us tonight? We are being brought out of slavery tonight to, to freedom. Mm. And then the foolish child, or uh, today they call that the wicked child, asks, what's the meaning of all this for you? Why are you doing this? Oh, then the, oh you are so, so foolish to exclude yourself from mm. this. And uh, if you had even been in Egypt because you're excluding yourself tonight, you would have stayed back in Egypt and you would have chosen slavery. Mm. And it, those two, the answers to those two questions to me have always been so powerful, showing how much they understand what memorial is. Mm-hmm. It is truly brought, we are, we are, the Jewish person is right there in Egypt if you're a male, your loins are girt, you know, your staff is in your hand, and you are ready to walk out, and you're going to enter the sand of the Red Sea. And it's happening for them. And this is what happens to up for us at Mass. Mm-hmm. We are being freed from the slavery to sin. It is happening right there for us. And uh, it's just it's the power of liturgy, which is the power of memorial. When Sophia brings that up to us in this chapter about the three questions using past tense and present tense, she says it, it nullifies, liturgy nullifies time. Mm-hmm. Remember, Francesca once said, it's a trick on time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she says, the task of the liturgy is to take out the preceding events in history, to free these past events from their limitations of time and space, and to make them present. I have had the great pleasure of being with Jewish friends at the Passover, and what I love is their complete understanding that all are not freed yet. And the prayers that they offer for the freedom and you know of all for a future time is so beautiful. It's that is they're praying for the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have and so I've actually heard those three moments uh, myself and that's it's beautiful. And I really didn't appreciate it until I had taken the course with Sophia and, and understood oh my goodness they really do we get this from them Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. 
It is the, all three moments condensed uh, liturgically, sacramentally, that now and the not yet we've heard. So we are we, in the Mass, in the moment of the Eucharist, we are living all time condensed. The you know, first moment brought to us and the final completing moment. It is so beautiful. I, because our deeper understanding of what the Jewish people celebrate in the Passover banquet and us understanding their, their belief on memorial and on time and what is actually happening, it brings all purpose to the Eucharist and to the Mass. Like it helps us fully understand, like you were saying about the wise and the foolish child. It's not something that the priest is doing. It is something to remember that Jesus did it 2,000 years ago. It is something that we are doing now with Jesus, all that have celebrated this over time, even all the way back to the Exodus. Like there's just this beautiful golden thread, but also kind of a point, like all of time is condensed into this point rather than in a linear fashion. And understanding our Jewish brothers and sisters helps us understand actually what we are doing ourselves too. I think so. I really believe what you just said. If we come to understand how they how they understand memorial, everybody, every Christian should attend, should hope they're invited to the Passover celebration of one of their Jewish friends because that's where we really hear. Mm-hmm. And yes, it really did help me too. So then these different elements of the Passover banquet, how does it understand what Jesus did at the Last Supper? Let's move from um, Exodus and Passover into the Last Supper. In that specific time, Jesus celebrated it with his apostles. Sophia points out how he had the Lord Jesus, especially in the oldest gospel, Mark, is very direct. He said, this is my blood. Mm -hmm. It is the fewest, you always know that the the fewer the words, maybe the older the text. Mm -hmm. And he is shocking them, absolutely shocking them. And I'm always taken when it says, and they all ate it. They all drank from it. And I'm wondering, they probably have no idea what's happening. Mm. And of course, it takes the gift of the Holy Spirit to understanding and opening their eyes. He, he says, and Sophia writes in another book too, do this. And I'm going to say different words as a memorial of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like in memory of me that we have in the liturgy. The, it's really, a, it's a Jewish term as mm-hmm. a memorial. I am there. Do this. It will be happening for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says it twice. Do this as a memorial of me. And we hear this in the Corinthians, the first Corinthians chapter 11, as Paul recounts it. And he's, he's very adamant. I, he told me this. <laughs> the Lord told me this. So uh, what Jesus is saying is, is happening right now for you. Mm-hmm. I'm, bringing, I'm bringing tomorrow here for you. And I'm explaining to you right now that no one takes my life from me. I am giving it. I have the power to lay it down and have the power to lift it up. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're not even going to remember those words, I don't think. They're, it's still going to be a horrible day for them. It's going to be a day full of horror and terror. 
he leaves them with that to understand what he was doing. Yeah, Sophia says on page 79 at the bottom, Now connecting the event of Calvary with the words of the Last Supper, we see that the character of Good Friday changes completely. Calvary is not only a brutal, violent act above all else, it is a tremendous act of love, a tremendous act of violence because it becomes a tremendous act of love. Yes. This is such a beautiful part. When, if you, when you read this Paschal Mystery part, it does exactly what you just said. What does Good Friday mean without Holy Thursday? Without the Last Supper, it is, it's a brutal act. Yes. And then with Holy Thursday, it is an offering. It is a tremendous act of love. Like, this is my body. This is my blood given up for me, mm-hmm. given up for right. you. This is the good shepherd laying down his life for his sheep. It's not being taken. It is being given. Right. It changes everything when we have Holy Thursday before Good Friday. Right. We have his words telling us what is really happening. Mm-hmm. And it's what they didn't understand was that it was happening. His heart was already given to doing this when uh, he says this is poured out for many it's happening right then for them and they don't understand it but that's okay <laughs> like how long it takes me I, know, exactly now, it takes my whole life <laughs> <laughs> it's so actually comforting that they didn't understand it like you were saying at the last supper when he said this is my this is my blood and they drank it they didn't understand how comforting is that though jesus's apostles who physically stood there with him they didn't understand. So we can give ourselves a little slack whenever we are having a hard time ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I really like that Sophia points out on that page 79, and she goes to Mark, you know, the, the earliest one. Um, and she quotes it in the middle of the page, take, this is my body, and then for the cup, this is my blood of the covenant, which is Mm-hmm. poured out for many it's happening right now for you guys mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. at least they don't understand what, but we now after 2,000 years of teaching maybe we're coming you know the, the church can help us um, understand that too and mm-hmm. yet it, it requires closer catechesis and I think what we do in, in our work with children brings all that doctrine that's floating out there <laughs> in the catechism and uh, we live it with them we help them hear it. Mm-hmm. And in our reflections with them, one-on-one like that, we hope, we can only hope that it, it will help them recognize what is happening for them every time we're together with the Lord. That mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we see here again that, like we said earlier, that time has been taken out again. Because in the Mass, we're participating in the Eucharist as a past moment, something that Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but yes. it's being brought present. It's something we are currently mm-hmm. celebrating, currently participating, and currently a part of, not just watching, but we are a part of it, just like mm-hmm. our Jewish brothers and sisters are a part of the Exodus when they celebrate Passover. Mm-hmm. But then there's also that projection into the future, especially when we say, Lord Jesus, come in glory. Come mm-hmm. in glory. Come, Parousia. Yes. It's so beautiful. It's so deep. You could just sit with this and what all this means in so many different ways. I think what's uh, for most people, what they hear is the past being told. You know, we retell, we hear the story, and it is all past tense. And there's 
again, it, it requires very good catechesis to help a person understand this is happening for us right now. I am standing at the foot of the cross. I am standing at the entrance to the empty tomb. What am I going to do about this? You know, what am I going to do? And just like the, the leader of the Seder meal says, if you don't, if you don't understand what's happening for you right this minute, you're back in Egypt and you didn't feel like leaving. Mm. And, and we can't, we cannot get that by just attending mass. We have our hearts. We can give our hearts to God, of course, and that's our salvation. But what's so beautiful is for, again, with children, especially at level three, this is when it really, we take a look at that offering, really when we come to that point of the doxology. What, what am I going to do with all this? How am I going to live this today or with my life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much at the Mass. <laughs> there was one line in this chapter that really stood out to me. It's on page 80, kind of right in the middle, um, the, at the end of that second paragraph. Sophia is speaking about Jesus and how he has offered himself to the Father and that evil cannot no longer touch him. It says, I give my life over completely as, as a gift to the Father. If I have put it so high, you can no longer take it from me because I have already given it. Yes. And Jesus tells us this, or we hear his words earlier in the Gospels. He speaks of um, him breaking in to the realm that Satan, that darkness has had a hold on. And he, he tells us in parables, if the, the strong man isn't watching, someone's going to come in and take over. And we hear it so many times, and here's where he proves it. Death was all that time considered the power of Satan for wrongdoing. He's showing, nope, <laughs> I'm going to take that from him. I'm life, and well, this is what I give. I give life. Satan gives death. I give life. It's like that line, death has no sting. Yes. It has yes. such depth. Beautiful. In that perspective. Because evil cannot touch. I My life has already been given. It is not going to be taken. Evil, it's so high up that evil cannot touch me. And right. then you see the fruit of that on Easter Sunday with the resurrection. And see, death cannot touch me. It has no sting. This is the depth of the love that I have. Is that... Right. With our complete offering, with our complete offering as a participation in the Eucharist, that there is a resurrection to that complete offering. It's it's so deep and so beautiful. It's a great hidden thing, a hidden reality. It's a deep mystery. Christ, the Lord Jesus, is fully divinity. He's full divinity. He is God present on the earth. He is fully human. He's us. Mm -hmm. And of course he's going to be risen. He's the son of God. He is God. But what's happening is he is resurrecting his own human body. He in himself is God raising his human self. And I love the orthodox images of the resurrection. I think they are they're perfect theological statements. You always see Christ with his feet on the on the doors of hell they're, they're they're broken apart and he's grabbing the two hands of adam and eve and he's pulling them up because that's the resurrection is 
yes, it's about Jesus, but it's all for us. Mm. And I think we forget that. If you take a look at all the Western images of the resurrection, it's just about Jesus. Mm. But he's doing it for us. And then when we consider the full Paschal mystery includes Pentecost, that's what it's all for. You know, Jesus says, wait for it, wait for it. You know, we're not finished, we're not finished. Because what did he do all this for? To, to give us his spirit. And of course, in Luke and in the Acts of the Apostles, that occurs after, you know, several days, many days after the resurrection. In the fourth gospel, it's just right that night. And he breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit. But that's the purpose for all of it, to share with us this, the very life of God. And I've always wanted to be in Rome on the day of Pentecost. I was told it it's St. Peter's is pure red. It's red everywhere. <laughs> it's, that is, um, basically that is the climax, you might say. It's all for giving us the life of God. Yeah, and you see that timeless element again, mm-hmm. where it all is one moment. It's not these separate events. They all together is where you find the fullest meaning mm-hmm. and the fullest expression when exactly. all of these events are looked at within one moment. Exactly. If we see this gesture of the epiclesis that the priest does, God is giving us the gift of God's life. It's being given to us through the person of Jesus who gives himself to us. So yeah, it's all there. Mm-hmm. And there's so much. It takes, it takes a long time to help children and adults uh, come to see what is truly happening in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Well, Marty, before we finish up today, is there anything else about this beautiful golden thread that you want to lift up? Nothing more than what I we have said before, that just as with the Jewish people who say, this night I am being freed from Egypt, from slavery to freedom. Um, we at every liturgy, we say the same thing. I am being freed from the slavery of sin and given new life. And it is, like you just said, all brought together. The Holy Spirit is being given to us through the beautiful, loving act, the Lord Jesus, what he did on Calvary for us, opening, you might say, our nostrils to Mm -hmm. be able to take in the the Spirit of God, God's very life. It's so huge. I can never even bring it all in at Mass. It's There's so much happening. It's almost like you need to try and focus on one uh-huh. piece of the depth of the mass in order to just, okay. yeah, <laughs> that's all our brains can handle. Right. It's true. But I, I'm so thankful to Sophia for laying this out for us and helping us come to see it. And yes. of course, it's all God. Thank you how God is, is helping us slowly, slowly come to understand more and more. Yes. God loves us. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Marty. I really appreciate you taking the time to dive into this chapter with us. Thank you, Carrie. Have a wonderful Holy Week and Easter. Same for you. May it be filled with much light. (laughs) Thank you all for listening to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. In our show notes, I will have a link to ways to nurture the relationship with God. If you don't have a copy yet, you really want to get your hands on this one. It is a great book. 
Mustard Seed Training is one of our Benefactor Vendor members, and they are a small group of home-based artisans in Northeast Ohio. They work as a team to keep catechesis of the Good Shepherd materials in stock or to make them within six weeks. Mustard Seed Training praises God in gratitude for everyone who will use their materials. May God prosper the work of our hands. If you would like to know more about Mustard Seed Training, please go to mustseed.org. I was perusing their website yesterday, and they have beautiful materials for the home and for the atria. Don't forget that we have a spring catechist study day coming up on April 19th. It will be from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time via Zoom, and we are going to gather as catechists to explore the presentations of the empty tomb, the resurrection narratives, and the Pentecost celebration. This is designed for those members of CGS USA who have completed a CGS USA catechist formation at least level one, or you are currently participating in a CGS USA sponsored formation course. Space is limited, so sign up today. There will be a link in our show notes. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We would like to thank all the contributing members for making this podcast possible. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. I hope everyone has a beautiful Holy Week and a happy Easter. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.